all love to travel. Eliminating the use of fossil fuels depends on kicking our addiction to just tooling around. The absolute single best day, no, the single best moment of my entire year is sitting in the parking lot waiting for the Starbucks to open on the Friday before Labor Day. With a full tank of gas, a smooth open road ahead, decent weather, and nothing but free time, it simply doesn't get any better. In a year defined by its constraints, it's the instant when I feel most free. Road trip. Obviously, I'm not alone. Every Labor Day, roughly 35 million Americans will also hit the road for basically the same reason. The intoxicating lure of being somewhere else and doing something else is a happy addiction in which most of us indulge without a sense of guilt. In fact, it's the opposite. No backyard barbecue was ever enlivened by stories of how you sat around the house all summer binge-watching your missing seasons of Leave it to Beaver. Rather, having gone somewhere and done something is what your neighbors want to hear about. Or maybe they don't, but you're going to tell them anyway. However, it's a freedom almost entirely enabled by cheap, plentiful, and easily accessible fossil fuel. As I have written previously, I would love an electric car. But if there is one particular landscape in my personal experience which truly dissuades me, it's the Cormac McCarthy emptiness around Shanico, Oregon. I just can't imagine myself driving across that forbidding, magnificent desolation, wondering where the next supercharger station is going to be. Fact is, though, I would know exactly where it is, because I wouldn't have dared turn a wheel until I knew. It's a perfectly workable scenario, but somehow it's just not quite the same, and certainly much less worthy of the lyrics of a sad country song about the long, lonesome road. Some Tesla owners I know would not agree. Virtually the first thing they did with their new Tesla Model S was to plan a family trip to Disneyland, a round trip of some 5,000 kilometers. I admire them. I'm not just saying that. I truly admire them. They are two of the most meticulous, methodical, smart people I know, and their no problem was a direct result of that. To put this in perspective, they could tell me, to at least a decimal place, the difference in electrical energy consumption between dry and rain-soaked pavement. It was a level of planning that would have warmed the hearts of Navy SEALs planning an assault on an enemy beach. Their trip sounded like a real adventure. The good kind, of course, which they had both earned and deserved. They're going to be the envy of the backyard barbecue circuit for years. The tooling around is not limited to human beings. Take a look at your grocery cart the next time you are in Whole Foods. Now mentally take out all the items that are there because putting them on a fossil fuel-powered truck or train was relatively easy to do, cheap, and nearly universally available. There's not much left in the cart, is there? Which is not to say we can't feed ourselves with things grown close to home. Just this past weekend, we took out-of-town visitors to a local restaurant that prides itself on locally sourced food. Without exaggeration, it was one of the best meals I have ever had, with nary a lemon or a drop of olive oil anywhere in sight. But the price? Stratospheric. I hate to think what it would have been in winter. It was worth every last penny, though clearly out of reach for many, and nearly out of reach for me, short of having planned well in advance. It seems eating a meal with a low-carbon footprint, while it can be done, is currently reserved for the very wealthy or, for people like me, something you say for extraordinarily special occasions. Finally, there is the much-acclaimed climate conference like COP21 in Paris, held in December 2015. 
they were expecting roughly 25,000 official delegates and 50,000 participants from some 190 countries. While admittedly not having hard facts to back me up, I think it's reasonable to assume that virtually none of them got there pulling their Airstream with a bicycle. For its potential outcome, which should be positive, some would argue that the Paris conference was worth its Bob Lanier-sized carbon footprint. But the chances are zero those attendees going to similar conferences in the future will be doing so on solar-powered planes for a long, long while. On that note, if you think cramming a bunch of people into an old-fashioned jet fuel plane is somehow more climate-friendly than a car, sorry, that's just not the case. That's the opinion of no less than David Suzuki, on whose website it says, Compared to other modes of transport, such as driving or taking the train, traveling by air has a greater climate impact per passenger kilometer, even over longer distances. Ironically, I would have thought he would have traveled a little less over the course of his life, given that he was one of the few people who actually knew what damage he was doing. In conclusion, sadly, if you really want to do the planet a favor, the only alternative is not traveling. Not by plane, train, or automobile. Unless you drive one of those whizzy Teslas and charge it with electricity generated without burning coal. And never buy anything that has traveled. So nothing by truck or ship either. However, with our addiction to finding out what lies just over the horizon and a passion for tropical fruit, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Terence Gannon, and I'm not there yet. Thank you so much for listening, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the show on iTunes or Facebook. It really helps building the audience, which means I get to keep doing this. Not There Yet is a weekly series of short essays podcasted from the second decade of the 21st century. They are all written and read by me, and the entire production is wholly owned by Interlog Inc. of Calgary, Canada. All rights are reserved. If you prefer, you can find the text version of this essay at www.ntyessays.com slash articles. Our music is Life As We Make It by Olive Music, published on Premium Beat. The Not There Yet podcast is hosted on Fireside of Austin, Texas. Thanks, Dan, and your crew for all your help. The show is recorded using Audio-Technica microphones and a Zoom H4n digital recorder. It is edited and mixed on Logic Pro 10 from Apple. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, remember, it's the journey, not the destination. It really doesn't matter if you're not there yet.